pterodactyl thrill and inspiring your trumpet journey, here's your host, James Newcomb. Briel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bria is located in New York City. She's a fabulous jazz trumpeter, and she can be found at briasconberg.com. Newly released album. By the time this podcast is live, it'll be it'll have been released for a couple of weeks, called With a Twist. And so, Bria, get us up to speed. What's going on in your world? Wow, lots of lots of different things. I'm happy to say uh, things that I'm excited and passionate about. Um, I'm looking forward to. Yes, releasing this mm. this album. It's my my second one on Sony Records. Uh, the first one, uh, officially that they um, you know helped to do the production on. So it's exciting. It's a very ambitious project. I worked with an arranger, Gil Goldstein, and so on top of my regular, I usually get to travel with like a five piece band, piano, bass, drums, and a clarinet saxophonist. Uh, me being the fifth piece, but this time we layered on guitars and marimba and trombone and flutes and violin and cellos oh my you know <laughs> it's kind of it just kind of kept going and and so it's a very excited album it's kind of inspired by not quite as other as spike jones but that that kind of whimsical nature hmm. um very much like the adventure of uh living in new york city of course you know being in being in love in this wonderful world and also maybe uh, maybe somewhat reflecting the, the crazy world climate at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, this this album is sort of um, kind of already released tracks with your own twist, hence the name with a twist, isn't it? Yes, yes. And I was uh, excited to see the ones that were uh, really focused on to be the first uh, setting the tone for the album. It's There's All Right, Okay, You Win, which of course is an old standard that I've I, I first learned singing with big bands as a teenager, um, but uh, you know we wanted again to, to have some different spirits to it, so we we mashed it up with uh, the Soul Bossa Nova tune. A lot of people recognize <laughs> from Austin Powers, uh, Quincy with Quincy Jones uh, wrote that one, and the other one that's uh, that's just come out is Oh So Quiet, which was originally a hit for Betty Hutton a fabulous female singer entertainer in the 1950s, but and uh, most of us will know the cover version by Bjork. So it's, uh, yeah, we pick some ambitious tunes, I mean, and a lot of standards which present their own challenge because, you know, I find, you know, when you do your own music, which I love to do, there are three original songs on the album. You know, people can people can give feedback, of course, but ultimately it's a new thing. It's, you know, there's not, uh, yours is the quintessential version of your own song. Uh, but a lot of these other ones, they have uh, some strong performances already so it's just it was a really fun challenge to kind of go okay what can i do to to add to this and give a give a nod to the past but take it into present day at the same time you know i like to ask people like what is their favorite track or if there if there's one person one track on their album that we absolutely have to listen to and oftentimes people have a hard time coming up with just <laughs> one because you know it's like each one is it's like your own child and you yeah. put so much into one and it's really difficult for people to just nail down one that, yeah. you know, you just have to listen to. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. They're all, you know, very they're unique. They work together as a, as a group. I, I'm surprised by this, but one of my favorite tracks on the album is actually Whatever Lola Wants, <laughs> which is kind of a like sometimes can be a cliche song for for singers. Um, but we, the treatment on it 
is really fun. It's reminiscent of Nina Simone's version, and uh, but it's got this kind of like 60s feel, but it also pulls it into present day. It's, it's really fun. It was really <laughs> fun to do, and I'm looking forward to performing it. Whatever, whatever Brio wants is what yeah. we do on this podcast. Well, what what we get? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as you can tell, Bria has been around the block a couple of times, and she uh, continues to circle around the block. And uh, great trumpet player, great musician. But um, this podcast is about peak musical performance, and I always like to start each interview with. When you're not at your peak, it's a moment that you consider to one of actually one of your lowest moments as a performer. And I'm not necessarily talking about like your your trumpet falls apart and the valves fall out or anything like that. I mean, if you if you want to, you can. But I'm just talking about a time where you expected to play a certain way or you expected to perform a certain way, and for whatever reason, it just didn't work out the way that you expected. Can you? Think of a moment like this, like that. Take us there. That's very sweet. We'll start at the bottom and work our way up <laughs> from there. Although, you know, I think we have a selective memory with these things. Only by you mentioning the, the piece of the trumpet breaking, I remember this gig in the south of France where one of my the springs in my valve broke. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I couldn't figure I didn't know. I honestly <laughs> couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, but somebody eventually lent me their trumpet and huh. I used my mouthpiece. You know, <laughs> you know, you kind of... It's not so much, uh, you know, what happens, it's how you react to it. Right. Uh, but I, I do, I can remember one of my most mortifying moments, uh, which was almost 10 years ago now when I was invited to perform at the Breda Jazz Festival in Holland, which was a very big event. And uh, I was invited as an all-star, definitely the youngest all-star there, which means that they, they take different people and you get put into different combinations, ad hoc sort of um, bands for the weekend and ultimately, you meet the people 10 minutes before the set, you hash out a set list, and you, you jump in. And the trumpet's main role is to always be the leader. You're mm-hmm. supposed to direct traffic and help people, you mm-hmm. know, essentially herd the cats and, and get us safely in and out of the song. And um, it, was a, it was a very high-pressure situation because, first of all, it was my first time over there. Uh, there was at least a 1,000 people in this big outdoor venue. It was a lot of uh, just excitement. And I was up for this award that if I had, if I was announced at the end of the festival that I'd won it, then I would be able to take a trip to a festival in Japan, which was mm. very exciting. Mm. Yeah. And at the same time, again, there, I was surrounded by musicians that I really admire. And I had been looking up to this great cornetist, uh, Warren Vache, for many years. He played with Benny Goodman, Rosemary Clooney. I'd seen him perform, but I'd never met him. And I guess we were both all-stars at this festival and he came to my very first set again I had never talked to him but he came to my first set and he has a reputation for being a bit of an old school (laughs) old school kind of teacher guy from New Jersey and he pulled a chair up to up to the stage um, sat down on it had his sunglasses on his trumpet case on his lap and he just crossed his arms in front of me and vibed me <laughs> like, who's this young kid? Let's see what you can do at the same time. And, and I was, oh, God, I tell you, I just about swallowed my trumpet. I was so nervous from that whole situation. I still, <laughs> thinking about it makes me a little ill. How did you perform? Uh, well, I... I went in, so we launched into the, the first song, and I was, as I was saying, that we, you know, the trumpet's job is to direct traffic, and kind of I was a little dry mouth, you know, didn't really had some 
didn't execute my ideas as eloquently as I wanted. And as we got to the end of the piece, the drum was supposed to end the song, and I hadn't decided how I was going to end it. So I heard somebody else's influence, heard this, because there are a few different cliche endings. You can go straight out, you can do a tag, you can kind of tell the drummer to take an extra four bars. There are a few options, and I didn't really pick any of them. And some people went one way and some people went another way. So it ended up just being a big train wreck <laughs> of, uh, you know, some people just playing over. And it was, it was, a, it was a mess. It was a messy, messy end to the first start of the first song of my, my big, uh, that, and I learned. So that was just, uh, that was embarrassing. That was very embarrassing at that time. But I tell you, I will always be very obvious with how to end songs. <laughs> how about the rest of the, the gig? Did the rest of it or was it just the one? Oh, oh, the rest of the weekend. I mean, I mean, the rest God of that set. It. Oh, the rest of that set. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the set was okay. I mean, okay. you know, my my the the heat was on my neck. I felt, you know, it definitely didn't make me feel good, and I was kind of riding it out. Um, you know, and eventually, you know, people were happy, and you know, all's well that ends well. The the ending was strong. I, it took me a little while to kind of come to terms with that and and do the lesson learned. Did you get to meet Warren Vachet after that? <laughs> I did. What did and he, he say? Just, he said, "Sound good, kid." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but that um, you know, actually, I started to um, after that moment, I seriously pursued him as a teacher. And yeah. then when I moved to New York City in 2010, uh, I uh, started studying with him. And so we studied. I studied with him for two years, and and he helped me hmm. first very much learn how to play the trumpet, and also, you know, how to get out of those situations and know my role. <laughs> So. Looking looking back, what is a couple of things that maybe you could have done a little differently that would have led to a better result? I could have ended the song. <laughs> could have ended the song. Well, for example, cliches are cliches for a reason. If I could take the last four bars of a song, go, why not take all of me? Ba-da, 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 ba-da. It sounds a little cheesy, but everybody knows the song is over. You know? Yeah. That's that's the line that I play. That 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 that. I wouldn't play that, but you, that's the fastest way to end a song. I'll always the first time I play with an ad hoc group, the first song, I don't do anything fancy. I just you know play something that's very clear at the end of the song, um, just so that everybody kind of feels confident in our own abilities and in, in me as a leader. It seems to me like maybe the the largeness of the situation played a factor in that. Yeah, I was just consumed in in too many outside factors and mm. you know, ultimately we get distracted and you want to try to lessen and quieten the distractions in your in your head so that you can just get to music. If I had been focusing on the music and solely the music and only the music, then I probably would have done a better job. Have you had similar situations where you played a little better, had a better outcome? <laughs> Definitely. All right. Yeah, Let's hear one. Oh, um I mean, I can think, you know, that 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 um, experience prepped me for uh, other situations like it, like for uh, let's see, a couple well, years. Let's ago, talk about. Let's talk about you. Like we've talked about your worst. Now let's talk about your best. <laughs> Tell us about a time when you just absolutely nailed it. Well, I think uh, you know, feeling like you absolutely nailed it is when you you know you feel so prepared to, uh, to go in and uh, and just do what you do and properly convey who you are. So I think. Uh, Looking back last year, we're coming up on the summer season and summer is one of my favorite times because you have outdoor festivals and such. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I'm just thinking last year at the Saratoga Jazz Festival in New York City was a really great moment just because 
I had my band and we had been playing a lot already and it was a big venue with a lot of people and I just, you know, everybody knew the songs. We felt prepared. I felt proud of the band and, you know, we'd already kind of done the work and we had, it had simmered for long enough. And to be honest, I don't, there's not so much I remember specifically about that performance because it just, it felt so good. <laughs> you, you get, I was more lost in the music. I wasn't really, wasn't really thinking about it, but that's, I think that's kind of the test of it when you, when you almost kind of wake up and go, what, what, you know, what just happened and everybody's happy. Yeah. If you can't remember a gig, that usually means that it went well. Yeah. We tend yeah. to linger on those mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. It helps. I think, uh, if you, you know, if you, if you do the first song of a set or the first song, just make sure you play something that you're, you know, you're comfortable with a lot of the times. A lot of times yeah. we'll go out, we'll get out of the gate with the same song. And even Louis Armstrong, he had his theme song, Sleepy Time Down South. He started every set with it. Mm. And it just sets the tone. It helps you kind of go, you know, figure out where your chops are at that day. And, mm. you know, just to get centered before you delve into a program that can that can vary. So I, I think I've been, mm. I'll set myself up for success by having the first song I do be something that I'm, that I know I'm comfortable with and, and, uh, can execute. Start out time. with, start out with familiar territory. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, that shows you off, but you know, isn't, it's like, you all want to come out, especially as trumpet players, you want to come out the gate super flashy and, <laughs> and that's good. <laughs> but some days, some days, you know, you don't start with cornet shops. Some days you don't start with, <laughs> you know, these, you know, coming out glaring with, with high notes and stuff. It's good to, yeah, just get 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 in the mindset, you know, because there's so many outside factors. With all the traveling you do, I imagine that you have situations where you just you maybe get off a plane, you rush onto a, a waiting limousine, maybe <laughs> <laughs> in a best case scenario, yeah, sure. and you have and you get to the hall and you have like five minutes before you have to get ready. What are some things that you do to to <laughs> focus on that music so that you can play at your best? Oh man. Well, if it's that short of time, I mean, ultimately what I want to do is get the horn on my face. I want to get warmed up. I want to get, you know, feel like I've had a, a, a second to bond with the trumpet because <laughs> the trumpet is a wild animal and, uh, you have to make sure you're on the same side when you walk out on stage. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, just a meant, you know, just buzzing, breathing exercises also to kind of, yeah, calm that um, the adrenaline, you know, whether it's nerves or whether it's just, Oh my God, I got to the gig on time. Uh, that stuff is what'll help you just, just to feel centered. I mean, there was a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was in, I have flew to Idaho and I, and it took me 32 hours <laughs> overnight, just travel insanity. My baggage never showed up. I ended up, I ended up going straight to a workshop <laughs> with high school kids and then literally to the gig and my baggage never showed up. I fortunately stopped by a drugstore and stuff, but it was honestly, um, you know, it just kind of all became one of the, a big part of it too. I mean, just, you know, letting the audience in on this is the wildness of the situation and I'm going to channel that into the music right now. Well, we're about to channel into the hot seat segment right after we take a moment to thank our sponsor. Entrepreneurship, that's the latest buzzword among musicians these days. It's not enough to be a good musician. You need to know words like branding, marketing, social media presence. Hey, let's face it, it's a lot to know, and it can be intimidating to say the least. 
Well, what if I were to tell you that the very skills that made you a successful musician already make you an entrepreneur, and that the only thing you need is the tools, techniques, tactics, and occasional tough love needed to achieve real success? Enter the musicpreneur.com podcast. It's a weekly show featuring in-depth interviews with musicpreneurs who are making it happen, along with a series of specific, actionable steps you can use in your musical and entrepreneurial journey. What you won't find on the podcast are cheap tips and tricks or advice on how to get a piece of someone else's pie. The podcast is all about making your own pie and providing the knowledge to make it happen. And let me give you a little hint. The secret sauce is just doing the work. To find out more and receive a free gift just for visiting, go to musicpreneur.com. Bria, you are now on the hot seat. Do you think you can stand the heat? Bring it on. All right. We've already touched on this right before this, but uh, it's five minutes before a performance. What are you doing? I am sitting quietly, drinking water or tea, and just trying to line up. Somebody gave me the advice once, just breathing, trying to line up my, my breath with my with my heartbeat and stay in there. And then ultimately, when we you know a minute or two before we're announced, I'm hanging out with the band, you know, saying have fun and good job and getting the making sure the team feels ready to go. All right. What's the best performance related advice you've ever received? Performance related. <laughs> Definitely just again, breathe, stay calm, but also if you do something that you don't like, don't scowl. <laughs> don't let it on, don't let it on to the audience that you did something quote unquote wrong. <laughs> Just say, just kind of look up and say thank you after your solos and stuff, even if you didn't like it, you know, because a lot of times you're, you're, if not always, you're your worst critic. Mm -hmm. Just say, I meant to do that. Yeah, yeah, or do it again. That's a wrong note. No, it's right with confidence. <laughs> play, play a few more times. All right. Can you share a tip for our listeners to help deal with stage fright? Mm -hmm. Yes, I definitely uh, have had my my t time spent with nervousness and stage fright. Um, again, that tip of lining up your, your breath with your heartbeat, you know, to kind of, mm. uh, calm those nerves, calm the adrenaline and, uh, get, get in control. Um, that's big. And always focus on, focus on the people around you that are contributing to the music. You know, I think stage fright is a very, almost like egocentric thing. You're just, you're so concerned about you and how you look and how you are playing. And, if you can get yourself out of your own head and and just relish in the music that's happening around you and look at your friends and and enjoy the experience, then that can help a lot. What is a non-musical activity that contributes to your success as a musician? Definitely exercise. Mm -hmm. I love to run and I love to uh, outside is great. Um, also, just whatever kind of physical activity. It obviously helps my lung power. It helps. Uh, it's a stress release. Um, it just gets me in the zone. And it's a meditative in a way too. Like I, I like to either listen to music or podcasts or just silence and, and use that time to. All right. This is the final question of the interview, but it's a doozy. Imagine you're on stage. It's the end of the performance. The audience is on its feet, standing ovation. They don't want any more. They don't want any less. Everything is absolutely perfect. What have you just done? Cast philosophy aside, we want details. Where'd you play? Who'd you play with? What did you play? Just go to town with it. My absolute dream? <laughs> yes. I would love a huge production. 
I would like something that is an experience that, you know, someday I'd love to have a, like a big room that is also a restaurant at the same time. So you, you've, at, with every musical piece that's come out, you've been tasting things, you've been smelling things, you've been kind of visually entertained at all the right times. Lights, you know, maybe some bubbles come out. Uh, I'm, I would love a totally interactive experience where people feel a sense of nostalgia, you know, because, you know, your sense of smell is such as a place, one that takes you to a lot of different places. So everything from nostalgia to total awe-inspired, you know, how did they do that sort of visuals. Um, I think of like, I get inspired by like Cirque du Soleil, you know, there's always kind of death-defying things and illusions. I'm, I'm a, I'm somebody who likes to think, think big in that way. So, um, I mean, if I could, you know, be suspended, <laughs> suspended in the air, flying across the stage, playing trumpet, uh, you know, that would be really exciting. <laughs> really and then exciting. of course, Warren Vache is in the front row. Oh, going. Don't Impress me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> going, kid, just make sure you, make sure you, your armature is straight. <laughs> All right, Bria Skonberg is my guest. You can find her at briasconberg.com. And, of course, check out her new album, With a Twist. And it turns out this podcast is being published on May 31st, which is actually when she is performing and giving a clinic at the ITG conference. So wish you all the best with that. Bria, thank you for being on the podcast, for sharing your journey with us, and bringing us one step closer to understanding the secrets of the musical mind. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Trumpet Dynamics, telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. Are you a true listener? Visit TrumpetDynamics.com to learn more about the show and subscribe to my email newsletter. You can also find us on Facebook, where we record a live Pay It Forward Friday episode each Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just type in James Newcomb on Trumpet.com into your browser to find the Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we will be in your earballs soon.